0: Prophecy Times podcast. We are in part two this week of our study called uh, The Rapture and the Return or The Rapture versus The Return. So I'm going to give you a quick recap from last week and uh, and then we're just going to launch in. So last week we looked at the, uh, the biblical precedent that there is for multiple phases of the one event. So when, uh, when the, this one event is referenced in the script, scriptures, there are times where uh, there are, in fact, multiple phases of this one event. And I believe that uh, the second coming is one such event. I believe that there are two aspects or two phases of the second coming. The first of which is the rapture, where the believers are caught up Uh, with Jesus and taken to the Father's house that occurs in the air and before the tribulation, before the seven-year tribulation, followed by the return where Jesus comes with his saints uh, and sets foot on the Mount of Olives. Two phases of the one event that is the second coming. Phase one, the rapture. Phase two, the return. Now, we we saw biblical precedent for this last week. And, uh, and what we said is that if this is true also of the second coming, so biblical precedent doesn't mean that it's true for the second coming, but biblical precedent is helpful. Now, if there is in fact a biblical precedent for it, what there also needs to be for uh, it to be true of the second coming is that there should be evidence in Scripture that these two phases, the rapture and the return, have significant differences that cannot be reconciled. Because if there are significant differences that cannot be reconciled between the rapture and the return, then what that means is that those two events can't happen at the same time. And if they can't happen at the same time, then it means, obviously, that they happen at different times. And so then we need to discern biblically, well, what are those different times? And I believe that there is, in fact, enough evidence in Scripture, in fact, overwhelming evidence that these two events have significant differences that cannot be reconciled. Therefore, they cannot occur at the same time. And therefore, they are two phases of the one event called the second coming. Now, last last week, Uh, We started this process. We're going to look at seven uh, seven key biblical evidences uh, that they are significantly different and cannot be reconciled. Last week, we looked at the first one, and that was the reverse order that at the rapture, believers are the ones who are removed from the earth to the Father's house, and the unbelievers are left on the earth to continue into the next stage of history and at the return the unbelievers are removed from the earth in judgment and the believers are left on the earth to enter into the next phase of history. Now this in itself according to the laws of logic is so significantly different that they cannot possibly happen at the same time but that is not the only line of evidence. We're going to look at six more and then a Then a few other little bits and pieces before we finish up today. The next one, the second one I want to look at is uh, trial and wrath. Now, trial and wrath, we've talked about the, the wrath of God. We've talked about the trial that shall come upon the whole earth. That is the great tribulation. But I want to highlight those and I want to highlight the difference with, with the rapture and the return in, in where that sits. So first of all, Revelation 3 verse 10. Let me read it to you. Open up your Bible if you don't already have it open. Revelation 3.10, Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Now Luke 21 36 speaks of something similar and Jesus says this watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass. What are these things? The context of scripture in Luke 21 is speaking about the events that precede, that come before the second coming. So through the tribulation period that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. You see, there is a trial coming upon the whole earth and Jesus promises that there are those who will escape and will be kept from the whole period of time during which this trial will take place on the earth. And what is this trial that will take place? We see from Scripture that it is, in fact, uh, the great tribulation period. Zephaniah 1, verses 14 to 18. This is what this period will look like. Zephaniah chapter 1, 14 to 18. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty men shall cry out. That day is a day of wrath a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. I will bring distress upon men and they, will, they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like refuse." Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he will make speedy riddance of all those who dwell on the land. Notice all those who dwell on the land will be uh, experiencing this. This trial that will take place is the day of the Lord's wrath and everyone on the earth at that time will experience it. Isaiah chapter 13 verse 6 to 13 speaks to this also. Wail for the day of the Lord is at hand. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Therefore all hands will be limp. Every man's heart will melt and they will be afraid. Pangs and sorrows will take hold of them. They will be in pain as a woman in childbirth. They will be amazed at one another. Their faces will be like flames. Behold, the day of the Lord comes. Cruel with both wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate and he will destroy its sinners within it or sorry, from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light The sun will be darkened in its going forth and the moon will not cause its light to shine. Now we need to take note of what it says in this passage where it talks about the wrath and the anger of God. And then where it talks about the stars, the sun and the moon no longer shining its light. Those things are things we need to keep in mind as we then step into Matthew 24 verses 29 to 23, which is the Olivet Discourse where Jesus speaks of um, the tribulation period and the second coming of Christ, or or should I say in our context, the return of Christ. Matthew 24, 29 to, 20, uh, 29 to 30, immediately after the tribulation of those days, that is the wrath and anger of God. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. See, immediately after the tribulation, that is the wrath and anger of God, There's a bunch of cosmic things that will take place with the sun and the moon and the stars. And then after those cosmic things, the return of Jesus will take place. After those things, after the day of the Lord's wrath and anger, after this tribulation trial period, after the cosmic things, then the return will take place. You see, the return comes after the tribulation of those days and the cosmic signs. But the rapture comes before the tribulation and before the cosmic signs. 1 Thessalonians 5, nine, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain, obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Regardless of whether you're a, a pre-trib, uh, Mid trib or a, a pre wrath view of when the timing of the rapture um, this truth holds, and that is that uh, the rapture comes before the tribulation, before God's wrath is poured out on the earth, and before these cosmic signs take place. See, we the church are not appointed to wrath. We've looked at this. We are saved from this by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and therefore are counted worthy, as Jesus says, to escape all these things that will come upon the earth and will be removed from this time of trial that shall come upon the earth. You see, the return comes after the tribulation and the cosmic signs, but the rapture has to come before the wrath of God these things come at different times the rapture and the return in relation to the trial and the wrath of God happen at different times the wrath and trial of God happen before the tribulation uh, sorry before the return the wrath and the trials of God come after the rapture. The wrath and trials of God can't come both before and after a a one-time event. So we see point two line of evidence, they cannot be at the same time. Third line of evidence is to do with the signs and the imminency of Christ's return. You see, before the rapture, every passage that speaks of the rapture of the church, there are no signs that must take place before this event. The rapture can happen at any moment. And in fact, we're going to look at the doctrine of imminency in the coming weeks and especially in relation to Paul because Paul was the one really that unboxed the mystery of the rapture in the New Testament. So we're going to look at this together. But the main thing we need to realise is that believers are instructed to constantly look for and wait for The rapture, the blessed hope. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 To wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead. Even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Before the return there are specific signs that must come to pass. For those signs have a read of Matthew 24. Lots of other passages but start there. The same event cannot be both signless, i.e. the rapture, and yet have numerous signs, i.e. the return. See, the rapture comes before all the signs and the return comes after all the signs. You cannot have an event that happens at the same time that, that has to have signs before it and also has to have no signs before it. This is, this is the imminency of Christ. If, if there has to be signs before something, then there's no imminency. It can't happen at any moment because we're waiting for these signs. But the doctrine of imminency in relation to our blessed hope is such that there is nothing that needs to occur before it. This is our third line of evidence that affirms the fact that the rapture and the return have to happen at different times, two stages of the one event that is the second coming fourth line of evidence is the location. See, at the rapture, Christians will meet the Lord in the air. Have a read of 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16 to 17. At the rapture, Christians will meet the Lord in the air. The Lord comes down. Jesus comes down in the clouds. We are caught up to Him in the clouds. Jesus never sets foot on earth in any of the rapture texts. And in fact, his destination is heaven after picking up his bride. He comes out of heaven to the clouds. We meet him in the air and he returns again to heaven. Whereas at the return, Christ will come to the earth with his bride and he will set foot upon the earth at the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. Have a read of Zechariah chapter 14 verses 2 to 4. And Jesus remains on the earth after his return to rule and reign. You see, at the rapture, Jesus comes for his bride and he returns to heaven. The the location is that he meets us in the air and he returns to heaven. That's the destination. At the rapture, Jesus comes for his bride. At the return, Jesus comes with his bride and he remains on the earth the bride's already with him when he leaves heaven and his destination is earth the locations of meeting and the locations of destination are totally different between the rapture and the return this is the fourth line of evidence that affirms to us that they cannot occur at the same time fifth line of evidence is the timing of the resurrection of the dead see at the rapture the resurrection of the dead occurs during Christ's descent from heaven. As Jesus is on his way down, the resurrection of the dead takes place. 1 Thessalonians four sixteen to 17, again, is where you need to read. At the return of Jesus, there is a resurrection of believers who died during the tribulation period, and this takes place after Christ has descended to earth he's already on earth and it's after that that it takes place note the order open up your Bibles hit pause right now and read Revelation 19 verse 11 through to Revelation 20 verse 5 note the order first you've got the descent of Christ from heaven with his saints to the earth Christ slays his enemies The Antichrist, that is the beast in Revelation, and the false prophet are cast alive into the lake of fire. Next stage is that Satan is bound and thrown into the pit. And then after all these things, there is a resurrection of the saints. This is a different timing of resurrection and in fact is a different group of saints. At the rapture, the resurrection of church saints occurs in the air on his descent. At the return, or should I say after the return, the resurrection of tribulation saints occurs on the earth. The timing of the resurrection of the dead clearly shows us that they are different events and are resurrections of different saints. You cannot have a resurrection that happens in the air and on the earth after a bunch of things and have it be the same resurrection of the same saints. It doesn't work. Again, this is our fifth line of evidence that affirms that the rapture and the return cannot happen at the same time. Number six, the people involved in the rapture and the return are totally different. At the rapture, there are only believers that see Christ and are involved. Do you remember Jesus' promise to the believer in John 14, 1 to 3? I'll read it to you. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may also be. The people in focus here in this promise and when we read 1st Thessalonians 4 when we read 1st Corinthians 15 the people in focus are believers and believers only. Whereas at the return all people will see Jesus coming and all are involved. Revelation 1 verse 7, Behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. The rapture only involves believers. The return involves all the people dwelling on the earth at the time of the return. You cannot have one event that involves only exclusively believers and another event that involves everyone on the whole earth and have those events happening simultaneously. It just doesn't work, rapture and the return. They must be at different times. The seventh line of evidence is the changes that occur on earth, You see, at the rapture, the Bible is silent about any topographical changes taking place on earth. Jesus doesn't even come to earth. There's nothing even that happens on earth apart from the fact that the believers are caught up. There's no, there's no changes to the earth's function or shape. You just have a whole lot less people. Whereas at the return, there are some massive changes on the earth that results from Christ's return. Let me read to you Zechariah chapter 14, verses 1 through 8. Zechariah 14, 1 through 8. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled and the women ravished half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations. Notice that the remnant of the city, that is the remnant of Israel, the believing group of people of Israel that are still left at that time. And in that day, his feet, Jesus' feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west. So you've got Jerusalem to the east of Jerusalem. you got the Mount of Olives and then further east, you've got the Dead Sea to the west of Jerusalem. You've got Gaza uh, a long way away and you've got the Mediterranean Sea. So you've got Jerusalem and then the Mount of Olives, immediate to the east. And that mountain will be split east to west. And it goes on and gives us more details. Making a very large valley, half of the mountain shall be moved toward the north and half of it toward the south. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley for the mountain valley shall reach to Azal. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you, that is with Jesus. It shall come to pass in that day that there will be no light. The lights will diminish. Sound familiar? It shall be one day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night. But at evening time it shall happen that it will be light. And in that day... It shall be that living water shall flow from Jerusalem, half of them toward the Eastern Sea and half of them toward the Western Sea in both summer and winter it shall occur. And in other parts of scripture, we see that that river brings life to the Dead Sea again. See, at the time of the rapture, the earth will remain unchanged in its physical form and nature and structure. At the return, the earth will experience significant topographical changes in that moment at that time. And then it ushers in this, this time of radical change on the earth. That is the, the kingdom of the king, uh, the millennial kingdom and then the eternal kingdom. So you've got one event that sees no changes on the earth and the end destination of said event is Jesus in heaven still and you've got the return where there are significant changes and the end destination is Jesus on earth. These two events cannot happen at the same time. You cannot have one event that happens where there's no changes on earth and Jesus ends up in heaven and at the same time you've got this event where lots of changes are happening and Jesus' end destination is on earth. I hope you can see from those seven lines of evidence that there are significant differences between what takes place at the rapture and and what takes place at the return. And these significant differences cannot be reconciled, which affirms to us what? That these two events cannot happen at the same time. They are in fact two phases of the one event that is the second coming. But if that's not enough, let me put them side by side for you. Now, if you haven't ever done this or seen this, you should you should look through scripture in relation to these two um, events, the rapture, the return, and you should side by side what the Bible says uh, about them. You will find some incredible differences. Let me read you a few. At the rapture, Christ comes in the air. At the return, Christ descends to the earth, to the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. At the rapture, Christ comes for his saints. At the return, Christ comes with his saints. At the rapture, the living saints are caught up without dying. At the return, there is no catching up to the sky at all. At the return, believers depart the earth. Sorry, at the rapture, believers depart the earth. At the return, unbelievers are taken away from the earth in judgment. At the rapture, believers go to the Father's house in heaven. At the return, believers are ushered into the new kingdom where? On earth. At the rapture, Christ claims his bride. At the return, Christ comes with his bride. At the rapture, Christ gathers His own. At the return, angels gather the elect. At the rapture, the church is gathered. And upon further investigation, at the return, the angels gather the elect of Israel. At the rapture, Christ comes to reward His people. At the return, Christ comes to judge. The rapture is not found in the Old Testament, whereas the return is predicted all through the Old Testament. The rapture concerns only the saved, whereas the return concerns both the saved and the unsaved. The rapture, there are no signs. It is an imminent event. Whereas the return is preceded by many signs. There are many things that have to happen before the return. The rapture is a time of blessing and comfort. Take a read of 1st Thessalonians 4. Whereas the return is a time of destruction and judgment. Have a read of 2nd Thessalonians 2, 8 through 12. The rapture will occur in a moment, in the time it takes to blink and only believers will see him whereas the return will be visible to the entire world and there is a whole string of things that take place in the process after he stands his feet on the Mount of Olives. And finally, the rapture is an exclusive promise to the church, whereas the return is a promise to Israel. I want to read you a quote as we draw to a close from Ed Hineson and Mark Hitchcock. The lack of any clear indisputable reference to the rapture in Matthew chapter 24 and Revelation chapter 19 verses 11 through 21, which are the two main return texts, if you will, in the New Testament, is tantamount to one of the gospel writers omitting mention of the resurrection of Jesus. The failure to mention the rapture leaves us with a dissimilarity that is so great that it is a clear indicator there are two different events in view. Simply put, the differences between the rapture and the return are too great to merge them into one single event. You see, if you read any one of the Gospels and they left out the resurrection of Jesus, who is the first fruits of the first resurrection, if any one of the gospel writers left that out, that would be baffling. It is exactly the same if any one of the writers left out the resurrection of the saints at the rapture of the... uh, in the same context of the return, if, if the rapture was to happen at the return and and they left that out, it's just as bad as and just as unfathomable because Christ is the first fruits of the first resurrection and we, the believers, follow. We are part of the first resurrection that follows. So if the writer's of the New Testament left out, if Jesus left out the first resurrection of his bride from the return event, if it was happening at that time, that would be unfathomable. The differences clearly show us that the rapture and the return are not a one single event that happens at the same time. Okay, quick recap. So far together over the the last couple of months, we have looked together at Bible evidence that has shown us that the doctrine of the rapture, that is our blessed hope, is biblical. It has shown us that the word rapture and that uh, is in the Bible and that there are numerous other rapture events that have taken place or are prophesied. There's a biblical precedent for this kind of event. We've shown you that there is a seven year, and we're gonna go into more detail on this uh, next week. There is a seven year period of God's wrath that is coming upon the earth, but that the church age believer is not appointed to, not destined for the wrath of God. We've shown you that the 24 elders represent, or most likely represent the complete church and that the 24 elders are in heaven from before the tribulation period begins and for the whole duration of it. And over the last two weeks, we've covered the significant differences that cannot be reconciled between the rapture event and the return event, meaning that the rapture and the return cannot be the same and they cannot be occurring at the same time. One final quote for us to finish because we're, we're dead out of time. John MacArthur says this scripture suggests that the second coming occurs in two stages first the rapture when he comes for his saints and they are caught up to meet him in the air and second his return to earth when he comes with his saints to execute judgment on his enemies Daniel's 70th week which is something that we're going to look at in a couple of weeks time, must fall between these two events. That is the only scenario that reconciles the imminency of Christ coming for his saints with the yet unfulfilled signs that signal his final glorious return with his saints. In other words, the rapture must take place followed by Daniel's 70th week which is the seven-year tribulation period. And immediately after that period, the return takes place. And this whole period of time is the period that is known as the second coming of Jesus. The second coming of Christ in two stages, the rapture and the return. Thank you so much for joining uh, our Prophecy Times podcast for another week. Next week, we'll look at the day of the Lord's Wrath, that is this tribulation period, what it is, what it's for, and how long is it? Because if we're not destined for wrath, how long is that period of the Lord's wrath? Is it a year? Is it three and a half years? Is it seven years? Is it ten and a half years? What is it? That's what we're going to look at next week. We look forward to seeing you next week, Wednesday, 5 p.m. Thanks so much. Much love and God bless.